Well, I'm so grateful that you're here today. This is gonna be a fun new series that we're starting, brand new series entitled Wedges. Wedges, this is our relationship series. And grab your notes out, grab your pens. As you're doing that, my wife and I pastor this great group of people and two words that God gave us a long time ago for the church. If you know them, can you shout them out with me, everybody? Come on. Hope and healing. Hope for tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. It's all found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're just really, really grateful that all of you are here, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, how many know it's important to just jump in and begin to take steps in that journey? So no matter where you are on that journey, we want to help you take the next step. And today in this new series called Wedges, this is a, a yearly relationship series that we do. I feel like it's important. And um, I, I, there's a story that's told of a husband and a wife. They were married for several years. And one day the husband is, he's golfing with his doctor and he says, doc, listen, I got a problem with my wife, man. She, I think her hearing is going, she's going deaf. And he says, well, just bring her in. It's no big deal. Just bring her in. He says, no, doc, you don't understand. She's not going to come in. And he says, well, listen, here's what you do. Okay. I want you to go home and do a test at home for her or with her. And what you do is you stand about 10 feet away and you say a phrase that she would be familiar with and see if she hears it. If she doesn't hear it, then Go to nine feet and say the same phrase again. If she didn't hear it at nine feet, go to eight feet, go to seven feet, six, five, four, three, two, one, and see when she hears it. And then report back to me because that will help me a lot kind of to, to determine how bad her hearing is. And so here's what happened. The guy gets home, and he's about ten feet away, and he says to his wife, Hey, Marie, what's for dinner ten feet away? No response. He steps forward a foot, nine feet. Hey, hey Marie. <clears throat> Could you tell me what's for dinner, please? No response at nine feet. He said, oh, man, this isn't good. He goes to eight feet and seven feet, six feet, five feet, nothing. He's like, man, this girl is deaf. <laughs> Four feet, three feet, two feet. He gets down to one foot and says it again. And then his wife turns around and he, said, he says, what's for dinner, Marie? She says, I've already told you nine times we're having spaghetti. <laughs> She was not the problem. He's going deaf. <laughs> and I feel like that's how we are in life a lot of times. We, we think that the issue with relationships is always the other person. Oh, they've got issues. They're, they're, they're just a real mean. And really what this series is going to bring out in us is I want you just to evaluate yourself. Sometimes we can hear sermons and we're like, man, I sure wish so-and-so was here. <laughs> well, they're not here. You're here. <laughs> You're tuning in online. You're here listening to this. And so I want to encourage you along the way because really we want to invest in your relationships. We all have relationships, and yet there's a, a lot of people who have no place that they can go to learn how to have healthy ones. So the whole Bible is really summed up in one word. It's relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with people. God wants us to do life with one another. And here's our theme verse for the next couple of weeks here. We have Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And Paul is writing this very, very interesting verse tucked into the New Testament. And I want us to read it out loud together, okay? Here we go. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Such a short verse. Let's read it one more time to get in our spirit. Here we go. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Now, the first phrase, being devoted, 
What it means in the original language, the original Greek, is to be kindly affectionate towards. And it carries with it like the connotation or the weight of a mother's love, that, that tender, almost indescribable affection she has for her baby. And then it carries with it the idea that it's a delight to do so. So really how this reads is, I want you to treat other people, one another, like family. Treat them like, like a mother would her newborn baby with tender, loving care. Then it says this, to honor one another above yourself. This is difficult, but it means that you're putting other people first before your needs. This is, this is contrary to how many of us live, ladies and gentlemen. But he says, listen, honor people above yourself. And then he says, he said, like the, the, the weight that's behind this is really don't let anything get in the way of changing your mind about this. Like not anger or resentment or bitterness, envy. Don't let anything else destroy your thought process for putting other people first. Because God is pretty into us living with one another in love and honor. I'm going to read you several verses. I'm going to fly through these, not in your notes. You can look at the screen. But these are a lot of verses. Some some of the verses you're going to be like, man, that's a repeat. It is a repeat, but it's not a repeat, repeat. God's repeating it just to reiterate it in another place in the Bible. So I'll give you the phrase, and then I'll give you the, the passage right away, okay? And see if you can pick up the one another that God wants us to live in. Here we go. He says, be at peace with one another. John 13, 14, love one another. 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 Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Instruct one another. Wait for one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Do not lie to one another. Forgive one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Encourage one another. Confess to one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. Live in harmony harmony with one another, love one another deeply, offer hospitality to one another, serve one another, love 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 one another, just to name a few. Are you getting the hint? Like that's not even all of them. Look at Jesus' prayer in John 17. This is an amazing prayer. Jesus is praying. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Watch this. The name you gave me so that they may be one, even as we are one. I've given them the glory that you gave me. That's a big deal. Why did he do that? That they may be one as we are one. Okay, look at me, everybody. Jesus' prayer is crystal clear. He wants us to live in harmony with one another, to love one another, and to be one. Come on, somebody shout one. One. Here's the flip side. There is a devil who's trying to fight against that unity by driving a wedge to divide us so that we're not one. And any time that we see the enemy's plan, your eyes are open to understand he didn't want all that other good stuff to happen. 
all the loving one another, sharing with one another, being devoted to one another, honoring one another. He didn't want any of that to happen. So he's going to try to drive a wedge in between us. And here's, here's why. Here's why. Because unity scares him. Let me show you this in Psalm 133. Psalm 133 says, and my good friend Mark Varagese has some great thoughts on this, this verse. But behold, how good and pleasant it is for God's people to dwell together in. Unity. Come on, shout it out. Then he describes it, verse 2. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, who was a priest, running down on the edge of his garments. The next verse goes on to say, for the Lord commands a blessing there. Like where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing. What's the blessing? Life forevermore. Okay, watch this. If you stay in the one another flow, God comes and he commands a blessing. Doesn't suggest it, doesn't request it. It is commanded upon your life. But he says, I want you to, I want you to, not just to visit there, I want you to dwell there. Dwell in unity. D don't just visit. Like, like where you live, your, your address, you don't visit there, you dwell there. Don't visit unity, dwell there. Because God says, if you dwell there, he will command a blessing. Here's the thought behind all this. A lot of us are like, man, I want the anointing of God. I want the power of God. Okay, listen, listen, listen. You don't need to pray for the anointing of God. Stay united and God will keep you anointed. <laughs> Stay united and God will, he makes sure that you're anointed. Verse 2 says, it's like the oil, the precious oil that runs down the beard of Aaron and down to his garments. You're like, man, that just sounds weird. Well, in the Old Testament, this was tradition where they would pour oil as a sign of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God or the choosing of God or the power of God to fulfill what God's called you to do. It, it would signify like a new king has been chosen or a priest has been chosen and the oil would run down. And he says, listen, it's going to be like that. You want the power of God in your life to do what he's called you to do? Stay united. And God will keep you anointed. Yeah. And then he says, I'll command a blessing. Like this blessing will have no choice but to bless you. It will, it will come on your life. And if you stay there united, he says this, the flow of God, the anointing of God, the blessing of God will come upon us when we are really doing life together. Listen, the devil's not worried about our friendships. He's trying to mess up the flow. Because he knows where there's no unity, there can be no blessing. Is this teaching okay? James chapter 3 verse 16 reveals a lot. This is a, this is a very interesting verse. And by the way, it's the opposite of Romans 12.10, our opening verse. He says, listen, James chapter 3 verse 16. For wherever, wherever there's jealousy and selfish ambition, there's disorder. Watch this, watch this. And evil of every kind. That's huge. Like this one verse unpacks a lot. And we understand now that God moves in unity and the devil moves in disunity. This one passage, he says, listen, wherever there's jealousy, like that's envy and resentment and bitterness and strife and spite. And then wherever there's selfish ambition, Selfish ambition is where you put yourself first all the time. Which, by the way, that's kind of like the root of most of the sins, right? Like, why do people steal? Selfishness. Why do they kill? Selfishness. Why do they lie? Selfishness. 
What's greed about? Selfishness. Why do people cheat? Selfishness. Selfishness, selfishness. He says, listen, wherever there's jealousy among you, wherever there's selfish ambition, there's disorder and evil of every kind. Gives the picture of a wedge. The original writings give the picture of like a wedge. Now, a wedge comes in and it's to split and separate. Would you all agree with that? A wedge is to split and separate. So the wedge comes in. Here's the crazy thing about a wedge. It's very, very small at the tip. But the more you drive that sucker in there, the more it expands. By the way, this is not the type of expansion I declared a couple weeks ago. This is a year of expansion, but not that kind. Okay, listen, listen. Here's, here's the picture. I want you to get this. This is the most important part of the message. Listen, listen. He gives the picture that where there's jealousy and where there's selfish ambition, there's a wedge that's begins to pry open and divide your life and relationships. Watch this. And behind the wedge are all the forces of hell waiting to rush in and attack your life. Disorder and evil of every kind. This verse is, it reveals so much to us that the devil comes in, wants to attack your life. To the point where John chapter 10 verse 10 says it this way, that the thief, the devil, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's trying to divide. He's trying to conquer. He's trying to do everything he can. Now watch this. The devil cannot come in to the Christian's heart where God resides and kick God out. He knows he doesn't have that kind of power. So here's what he does. He lays wait and just waits for us to drop our guard to where we stop walking in unity we drop our guard and we start walking in jealousy, selfish ambition, and then he pounces and drives in a wedge to divide. Yeah. I, want you to, I don't want you to be ignorant of the devil's plans. Right. You don't need to be afraid of this because God is on the throne. Yeah. But here's the scary part. You can have a wedge in your life and not even see it. You could be walking around life and not even notice there's a wedge. You can come to church and not notice a wedge. You can be all dressed up and everything looks great. And little do other people know that there is a wedge of misunderstanding inside of your life. You didn't even really see it. But there's other wedges too. There's not just that. There's a wedge of selfishness that nobody even knew I was carrying. I could be preaching. I could be worshiping. And nobody would ever know that a wedge of anger is deep in my soul to the point where I'm all filled with wedges. I'm filled with all type of sin. And you don't even know the shame that takes place in a person's life. They look good on the outside, but there is a wedge dividing on the inside. There's tons of wedges in people's lives. Wedges of offense. We're not even really sure how did it begin, but we're offended and we're wounded. And we think, man, there's no way I can get out of this. And this gossip, oh my goodness, has driven such a wedge into people's lives. It's so crazy because the wedge is so small in the beginning, but the further it drives deep inside of somebody, it begins to divide even the closest of friends to the point where people say this we used to be tight but we used to go to church but we used to go to small group but we used to be married but and the world has even adopted the 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 word like we used to be married but now we are separated like you've even acknowledged that the wedge came in 
and divided and separated. And when there's not unity, the blessing of God begins to dry up in someone's life. It's crazy because we, we're asking the question like, well, why? Because the devil wants to divide and conquer. That's the whole purpose of a wedge. Where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, the wedge comes in, and behind the wedge is every force of hell trying to get you to forfeit God's blessing. And here's what happens. All of hell rushes into attack, and many people write this down, you begin to feel vulnerable. You feel vulnerable. This is, a not, this is not a good place to be in life. It's not a good feeling. You feel vulnerable. You feel open to attack. You feel susceptible. You feel powerless. You feel like, man, you're so exposed because it has opened up something inside of you that you never wanted to be revealed. Not just vulnerable, now you feel isolated. You feel isolated in life. This is where you feel alone. You feel lonely. Can I tell you, loneliness is such a deep emotion that so many people struggle with and yet very few are willing to admit but the devil gets you isolated because somebody drove a wedge in, so you're not willing to open up your heart anymore. You start being alone. And some people are like, man, I can't wait to get married. I'm so alone. Listen, I'll show you some married people who are married and alone. Right. Marriage does not fix loneliness. <laughs> the devil wants you to stay in solitary confinement all of your life. When I visited Alcatraz, they let you walk into solitary confinement. That drove people insane. And the devil has people so vulnerable because of a wedge, now so isolated from small groups, from church, from family, from anybody else coming in, it will drive somebody insane to the point where now they're wounded. They're so wounded. They walk around wounded all the time. They're hurt. They're broken. They're not healing. They're, they're just, they've been wounded for so long, and now they're incapacitated. They're incapable of li really looking at anybody else's wounds or helping anybody else because all they could see is the own wounds in their own life. I'm so wounded, they say. I've been so wounded. Listen, you don't have a right to be wounded. You have a right to be healed. Jesus Christ died for that, right? Let's take advantage of all that he has to bring. God doesn't want you vulnerable and isolated and wounded. He wants you whole. He wants you healthy. He wants you healed. He wants you walking in unity so he can pour out his blessing so we can reach other people with his amazing love. I'm so glad that the previous verse I just read was not the end, that John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus steps in and says, but let me tell you what I came to do. I came to give you life. I came to have life to the full, be at your disposal. Come on, life for eternity, life right now. We have a God who wants to fill the cracks, close some doors. And just like a splinter, you're going to have to remove the wedge, and God wants to take that wedge out and then fill your life with all that Jesus has for you. Listen, don't dwell on the wound or the wedge. We need God's blessing, and we need to walk in unity. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? So let me tell you how to do this. Number one, really forgive and refuse to become offended. Like really forgive. If their name can't be brought up without your stomach turning, I would venture to say you probably have not truly forgiven. But you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. And I'm not making light of what they did. It was wrong. But you have a choice now whether you will stay offended. We need to really forgive because offense 
is a huge wedge that traps people and robs them from blessing. Offense is a big wedge, everybody. It's not something small. This is a huge trap. And behind offense, there's all the forces of hell trying to attack your life. Uh, listen, people will hurt you. They will hurt you. It's, it's just now your choice whether you stay offended. I know a lot of people who have been really offended. I mean, all kinds of offense, with abuse type of offense. And they have forgiven, and they're walking in freedom, even though the person who offended them is not. Like at some point, you have to make up your mind. How do you want to live the rest of your life? With this wedge in your life? Because if the devil can get you offended, he can get you off course. Let me say that again. If the devil can get you offended, he can get you off course. Let me read to you a couple of verses. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Bear with each other, here it is again, each other, one another, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Now, this next verse, you're not going to like it. There's some stuff in the Bible that we just don't like. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't like that. Because that's a game changer. Before that verse, I could forgive you based on how I feel you deserve forgiveness. But then you want to bring the Lord into it? Like, God, why do you have to bring yourself into this one? He says, forgive other people. Hey, remember, remember how I forgave you? I want you to forgive the same way. Come on, how many are thankful that God forgave you completely, utterly, irrevocably, sacrificially, intentionally? He says, with that same love. Listen, if anybody's struggling with forgiving somebody, you truly do not understand the depth of God's forgiveness in your life. Because once you see how much God has forgiven you, you turn around and you want to give that same forgiveness to every single person who has hurt your life. Let that be a motivator. And for some of you, you might need to leave today and this week, you probably need to have a conversation with somebody and forgive them in humility. You're like, but Sean, they, the problem was 90% them. It's okay. Don't worry about their 90%. Focus on your 10%. Let that be a motivator. It's not a suggestion, ladies and gentlemen. As believers, we are commanded to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. And there's a freedom that comes. It closes the way. It, clo it destroys the wedge and closes the wound. Here's another verse, Proverbs 19:11. 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook offense. I'm only getting about three amens here. <laughs> Proverbs 10.12, check this one out. Hatred stirs up trouble. We'd all say amen to that. Here's what love does, though. Love overlooks the wrongs that others do. Keeps no record of wrongs. We're all so into records. Like the people that are playing in the Super Bowl today, everybody knows their record. What's the record? I, got, I know the record, the record, record. I know that guy's right, his rushing yards. I know his tackles. I know all the records, the records. Listen, some of you are, are when it comes to offense, you are nerds. Because you keep such careful record of who has hurt you, when they hurt you, the day they hurt you, how they said it, what they said on Facebook or Instagram, you saw how they, they, they portrayed themselves and now they're lying about it. You keep such close, scrupulous records of every detail. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, at some point, you're going to have to let that go. 
here's the crazy part. We want to be judged based on our intentions, but we want to judge other people based on their actions. We want grace. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. It slipped out. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to ask that. I'm so, I feel so badly about that. Oh, no, no, we, we want grace to be poured out in truckloads on our life. But when it comes to somebody else, we withhold the, the, the truckload. We withhold the grace. We withhold mercy. And God's like, listen, I want you to forgive them. And if you're having problems and figuring out what, that, what extent that would be, just remember how much I personally forgave you. You're offended? You can't get past it? Why would you give somebody that much power over your life? And then once you forgive them, refuse to become offended from now on. Refuse to let anything come into your life that would, would change your mind about honoring them above yourself. Don't let it happen, because here's what happens. It's a trap. Offense is a trap that you can't climb out of on your own. There's no amount of money, there's no amount of relationships, nothing can get you out of the pit of offense except you forgiving them. Listen, we hold on to offense, and it doesn't even bother the, peop the people that hurt you. They're living their life, and it's killing you. Can I just tell you, it's not worth it to forfeit God's blessing. It is not worth it to replay the tapes over and over in your mind. Some of you sit there and play tape after tape after tape, playing all the times that they hurt you, all the times that they, hurt, they, they despised you, and now that tape, that replay in your mind is keeping you from opening up your heart again, keeping you from stepping out again, keeping you from loving again. Don't replay the tapes. Destroy the tapes. Destroy the evidence. That's what forgiveness looks like. And if you're wondering, like, hey, why do I need to destroy the evidence, just remember how many are grateful God destroyed the evidence when we came running to him, saying, God, forgive me from my sin, forgive me for my shortcomings, and Micah 7, 19 says that he takes our sin and casts it into the depths of the sea, never to bring it up again. That's the kind of forgiveness we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, walk in unity because we need God's blessing. Come on, clap your hands and say a good amen. We can't live without God's blessing. We can't function without his blessing. But in order to get the blessing, we must walk in unity. So forgive, really forgive, and then refuse to become offended. I feel like the Lord has blessed me with that capability. All through my life, I've had some people do some mess to me, and I've just refused to become offended. I don't get offended. It doesn't bother me. Like, it bothers me in the moment, but I choose to let it go, and it doesn't stay with me. I'm telling you, it will bring freedom to your life. So the next time you see them in Target, you're not trying to go the other way. Yeah. Feeling like you're going to vomit in aisle three. I can see people all day long. How you doing? Kicking the wedges out of the way. That's it's up to you. This is up to you. God has done everything possible, and now it's up to you. It's up to you. Take the wedges out. And then number two, fight for unity. Oh, we guard unity here. Fight for it. We are, we are guardians of unity. Don't let anything come into your life, into the church, because it's really important that we need, we need God's blessing. Now watch this. You need to know who you're fighting against. 
Not in your notes, but Ephesians 6 tells us who our enemy is and who it's not. And the Bible says that the enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not your boss. It's not your teacher. It's not your classmate. It's not your coworker. Be careful that you recognize who the real enemy is because Ephesians 6 says it's not even flesh and blood. It's not a person at all. Recognize where the wedge is coming from. It is an attack from hell trying to destroy our unity so we forfeit our blessing. We get so confused about who the enemy is. Like it's a person. It's not a person. It is not a person. Don't fight the person. Fight the wedge. You ever seen a basketball game? I used to play basketball a lot, and there'd be every once in a while there'd be a loose ball that goes out, out into the court, and a couple guys run and they jump on the ball and they're fighting, going back and forth with this ball, and the crowd and the, everybody else would scream out, "Same team!" <laughs> fighting, throwing elbows, because they haven't opened their eyes enough to see that the person they're fighting is on the same team. There's a lot of fights going on. Allow me to be the voice that screams out to you today. Same team. You're on the same team. We only have one enemy, and it's not a person. It's not your spouse. It's not a staff member. It's not a church member. It's not a boss. It is the devil. Come on. Don't fight against the same team members. We're in this to win this. But we must walk in unity. We need God's blessing. This is a non-negotiable, ladies and gentlemen. Proverbs 6 says it this way. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, I, I, thought, the God, I thought God was love. <laughs> he is love. But here's what he hates. Listen, I don't want to be on a list that God hates. What does he hate? Seven things. And then he's like, oh, change that to seven. <laughs> that are detestable to him. What are they? Haughty eyes. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict. A person who walks around with wedges. Like they wake up thinking of ways to divide. Let me just... Let me just put a little gossip into this relationship. Let me just come over here and say this on social media. God hates it. I don't want to be someone who does something that God hates. And this isn't judgment on somebody's life. I'm trying to help you. Because God has such an amazing plan, but the devil wants to get you to sit on the bench and just say things from the sideline. <laughs> and it keeps you from getting in the game. Listen, Ephesians 4.3 says it this way. Make every effort, like fight for this, to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, listen to me. You ready for some good news? Come on, say a good amen. amen. Here's the good news. No matter what's happening in your life, God is the ultimate restorer. He can recycle anything. He comes in and he removes the wedges. And Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says that our God can cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. He can take the good, the bad, the ugly, mix it all around with his grace. Come on, that wedge that was in your life, he can pull that out and now use it as a door stopper for other people to open up the door and come to him. He can take your greatest pain and turn it into your greatest ministry. 
place that you were wounded the most, you can turn around and now lead a small group and help other people come to Christ. He's that kind of God. He's that type of recycler. Nothing is wasted with him. He's organic. He recycles everything when we bring it to him. And I'm telling you, everybody, number three, we do life together. We do life together. We're going to forgive, really forgive, and refuse to become offended. We're going to fight for unity, but we do life together at this church. It's God's plan. It's one another. Here's Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens, and so you fulfill the law of Christ. Anybody want to fulfill the law of God? You can't do that without bearing each other's burdens. Hebrews 10.24. And let us consider, like think about, let's brainstorm, let's have some brainstorming sessions, how we can spur on one another towards love and good deeds. Not just for now, not just giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Why would they be in the habit of not meeting together? Wedges. That's why. Other stuff's divided. He says, no, no, let's not do that. Let's encourage one another. And listen, let's do it all the more as we see the day approaching. As we see the time when God's Jesus' arrival for his second coming comes back, when we feel like it's getting closer and closer, we should be getting together more and more and more and more. We do life together. Listen, to love each other, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to be there for one another, to carry each other's burdens. You don't want to do any of that if there's a witch. When we first get in the car every day, every morning, here's what we do as a family. We'll talk, we'll laugh, we'll say some stuff, and then we'll say, okay, somebody pray. Somebody pray. One of the girls pray, Diana prays, I pray, we switch. And it's, there's, there's not a day when you have to pray, it's just somebody pray and whoever just jumps in, just jumps in. Here's what I find funny. Sometimes in the Nepset house, believe it or not, uh, there are some arguments that go on in the van. I know you didn't believe that, but it's true. And that my, sometimes my girls will be going at it. And it's funny because I'll say, like, whoever's going at it the most, I'll say, you need to pray this morning. <laughs> Isn't it funny how when you have a wedge with someone else, you don't want to talk to God? Anybody ever notice that? You ever get a wedge on the way to church with somebody in the same car as you? and it affects your worship. You don't receive anything the preacher's saying. You just can't wait to get home. What is that? Could it be that the devil drove a wedge in for a reason? Because when you have a wedge with people, you don't want to talk to God. I feel like this is true. That your, your view of God oftentimes is related to your last bad church experience. You view God as angry, you're just a disappointment, you're absent because I had a bad experience with people. And the Lord is saying to you today, make sure that this is right first and that'll turn around and make your relationship with people better. We fight for unity. We do life together. This is who we are. And number four, write this down, join a small group. Sundays are great, but you can come in and fake it on a Sunday. Hey, how you doing? Fine and you, lying through your teeth. 
But you sit here, you watch online, you're just kind of like, hey, everything's good. And we got wedges all over the place. Join a small group. Listen, we're not a church that does small groups. We are a church of small groups. We expect everybody to be in one, to be in relationship. And today, we launch our spring semester of small groups. So we're going to practice this for the next 13 weeks, doing life together. And there will be some people that hurt you along the way, along life. It's just a given. You have a choice whether you want to stay offended or not. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, last verse. They devoted themselves to the teaching, the Bible, and to fellowship, church, or just fellowship. <laughs> That's a joke. That was a joke, by the way. So just hanging out together. They did life together. Breaking of bread. I thank God for that. Eating is of the Lord. And a prayer. Watch this. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Whoa, time out, time out, time out. Signs, wonders, God showing up. Did you make the correlation to the beginning? That's because they're walking in unity. All the believers were together, had everything in common. And they're taking care of each other, doing all this, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Why would God add daily those who were being saved to a church that was not walking in unity that couldn't handle the growth when it came? Are you seeing the importance of unity? Souls are at stake. There are people who are hurting and broken in the Bay Area, and they're going to come to church, and they're going to see the love and the unity, and they're going to see all of the, the acceptance, and they're going to be so drawn to God because of what they see in you. Yes. Let's be wedgeless in 2018. Let's be wedgeless in 2018. Amen. Listen, I thought about this this week, that the one another lifestyle. Life is a team sport. Don't play this alone. It's a team sport. Jesus wanted to change the world. What did he do? He made a small group. Twelve guys. They turned the world upside down. This week, we're launching small groups. We want to change the world. Let's take the example of Jesus. Let's walk in unity. Let's refuse to become offended. Let's really forgive. Let's fight for unity. Let's do life together. Let's join a small group today. Today, let's change the world. Anybody with me? Come on, clap your hands and say a good amen. Let's remove the wedges and jump into a small group today. Here's a quick video to show you how to join a small group. There'll be small group signups in the lobby, but here's a really cool way that you could do this to go straight to our website, and here's just a short video to show this. Let's watch this together. Shopping for a small group is as easy as three steps. First, visit our website by going to thefellowshipchurch.com. Then, scroll down to the small group panel and click sign up. Once you have reached our page, you can shop through a large variety of small groups or select your group preferences in the filter section at the top of the page. And that's it. Enjoy shopping and let's make this the best small group semester yet. So easy. You say, well, what's a small group? It's just a bunch of people that get in groups that are small around the city, and they gather for almost any reason. I mean, there'll be coffee, there'll be women, there'll be freedom. Like, if you're going through some issues, you need God to really bring some freedom in an area. There's Bible study, there's basketball. Just find an interest, find a time, find a day that works, and go see what would happen if you just 
did life together with people. I want to encourage you, please don't listen to a message like this and do nothing. If you want to get all that this church has to offer, it happens through small groups. The preacher's okay. The small groups are a 10. Like, like people will come and they'll, they love church, not because of the music, not because of the preacher, but because of the relationships that they make. And if you have not yet experienced that, you are missing out on one of the best parts of our church. I bless you today. With your head's bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here and you say, Sean, my, my relationship with God is not right and maybe I feel like God's distant. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer that you can pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front. I just want to help connect you to him. He loves you so much. And you don't have to fix yourself before you come to God. We come to God. He does the fixing. But I would encourage you, don't do that alone. So you're here, and I'm proud of you. And if you're here and you say, Sean, I want to give my life to Jesus. I need to. I want to lead you in a commitment prayer that you could pray right in your seat. I'm not going to have you stand or come to the front, or maybe you're listening online. This appeals to you as well. But if you're here and you say, Sean, count me in that prayer when you pray it. I'm giving my life to God. Come on, lift your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up right where you are. Just leave it up for a second. Yes, 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 yes. I see you. See you in the back, man. I see you. Yeah, come on. All right, let's pray this prayer out and just mean it with all of our heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I am. Today I give my life to you. Forgive me for my sin. Wash me clean. Be my Lord and Savior. I put my faith in you for heaven, for forgiveness, and for purpose. I'm all yours in Jesus' name. Let me just pray for you for a second with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed. Lord, I, I pray for every single person here in this room, watching online. I pray that you would give them the grace and the motivation to pull out every wedge that the enemy has driven deep into their heart. And I thank you for freedom. I declare freedom over you today. Freedom over your relationships, freedom over your friends, your family members. I thank you that, God, we will walk in unity and not offense. And Lord, I thank you that you command a blessing on our life. We love you and we thank you for that freedom now. In Jesus' name, come on, if you believe it, everybody say a good amen. amen. Can we clap our hands for everybody who prayed that prayer today? Great job. Such an important message. Thank you so much for joining us today at Fellowship Church Online. Our heart and our prayer really is that this online experience has been a huge blessing to you. Here at Fellowship Church, one thing that we make sure of is we never ask people to give. But what we do is we say pray and then do whatever it is that God is telling you to do. And so if you feel like God is pulling on your heart today to giving towards this ministry financially, there's two ways that you can do so. Number one, you can visit our website by going to thefellowshipchurch.com and then selecting the giving tab. Or number two, you can text your gift in by texting your amount and then the word fellowship to 45777. Thank you so much for your generosity. Lastly, again, we just wanna say thank you for being a part of our Fellowship Online family. We are grateful for you, we love you, and we'll be seeing you really soon. God bless you.